I would pay probably upwards of 100 quid and watch Eric Cantona walk on stage, put his collar up, say the Seagulls line, and then just stand there for an hour and a half. OTB AM, live weekday mornings from 7.30 on the OTB Sports app. OTB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. So let's turn our attention to the depth charts. It's World Cup. It's World Cup season. Andy Dunn. Are we ready for the World Cup, do you think? Have we, have we have we tuned in just to like the The consciousness, do you yeah, mean the public consciousness? Like every four years we go through this awful experience. Are we ready for it again? <laughs> um yeah, I think just about the, the it brings the, us no joy. It's the opposite of joy. It doesn't and the draw this year obviously doesn't bring us any joy either, so at least we, we know in advance that this is not going to end well. You know, we, we, we can resign ourselves to it, uh, plan for the worst, the absolute worst, and then if, if it doesn't happen, we won't know what to do with ourselves. We're going to get stupid excited at some point in the next one. I'm trying very stupid hard not excited. to. Like, set our, you know, we, the, the, the pragmatism is going to exit stage left. We're going to convince ourselves that those the tournament gets that we're definitely going to win it. <laughs> is there not something... Uh, it, Deep in the human condition that we love a bit of suffering, you know, we love it. I'm a Kildare football fan. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and the sports, the sp- a true sports fan loves a bit of suffering. So we have to keep building ourselves up, getting excited again. Why Ju- not? Just at the weekend, I was sure that Roscommon were going to beat Kildare. I was sure. I was full sure. And I was like, I can't get excited about this. I can't get excited about it. Mm-hmm. And then there's like this miracle at the end of it. And now I'm back in. And it's the same with the rugby team, yeah. right? It's yeah. like... The draw gets made and I found it hard to enjoy anything since the draw was made. Like, Grand Slam, oh, that's great. It's great that we won this Grand Slam, isn't it? I think the, da- draw, the draw, though, um, a friend of mine, Paul Holland, had mentioned to me, and Paul played uh, competitive rugby up in the, in the late 80s and early 90s then in, in UCC in the All-Ireland League. He's the first person who said to me, the draw for the World Cup was made, uh, is it two and a half years before... The, ch- the tournament, the draw for the Football World Cup, which is an immeasurably bigger tournament, is, is made about eight months beforehand yeah. because they have to factor in seedings and form and current things like that. So it's beggar's belief how they make a Rugby World Cup draw for a massively smaller tournament than the football so far away uh, from the actual tournament itself. And you end up with a an international tournament with really probably three teams that can win it and three of the world's top five teams are in the same group it's makes kind of no nonsensical sense. yeah it makes absolutely no like sense if, is it a logistical thing I don't know but it can't it's be it's not sure it can't be it's it like they book the hotels yeah. you know you're going to this hotel now instead no, it's city we stuff. have trains yeah. like yeah. we yeah. don't even need planes in France you can just get on a yeah. high speed train that gets you there quicker yeah. anyway um, so we, we're doing the out half depth chart and this is fairly obvious right it's Johnny Sexton number one mm. if he's fit is he going to be fit? You're, you're a physiotherapist. You know a little bit about this, uh, these types of things. Well, yeah, unfortunately, as a physio, you have to know what's going on as well. I have no idea what's going on with him. So, because um, the, the information has kind of been drip fed out and yeah. surgery and rehabilitation, but there's not a whole lot of detail coming with it. Um, the actual injury itself, typically, it would be a surprise if he missed it. Is it my understanding? I don't even know what the injury is, though. Yeah, I actually need to Google that. But that was yeah. having spoken to somebody in the area who, uh, in the immediate aftermath, was like, "Ah, oh, no, not not with that injury." But again, it was a groin, you know, something or other. Was it complications? I'm not sure. Let's have a Google. Well, uh, yeah, if there's a groin injury, it depends. If it needed surgery, you know, is the hip involved? There's a lot of ifs and buts. Okay. But um, I would 
say um, groin injury yeah. yeah given the nature that you know he, he played a full game he came off the field did the surgery at a later date he didn't have an acute on field injury that caused massive damage it must have been limped off that day yeah he limped off uh, I suppose he wasn't stretchered off and, and um, I would have thought yeah I think he'll be available okay. for sure okay yeah. so with Sexton our depth chart uh, we can stick the graphic back up here so Sexton 1 Jack Carley 2 Ross Byrne 3 Frawley 4 Jack Carley 5 mm-hmm. um, Frawley is likely to be close to making matchday squads isn't he yeah, yeah. I think Frawley is an outlier there. He was he was involved uh, starting in this time last year down in New Zealand in those Mary games, and I think the Irish management saw those Mary games as crucial to the development of the squad overall. It also meant down in New Zealand that we didn't lose any part of that series. We beat the All Blacks in the series and we didn't lose to the Mary. And I think winning that second test against the Mary completely galvanised that group. I think we, we tend to focus on the New Zealand test wins, but what they did was very brave, send down a bigger squad and kind of previously you would have said they're throwing them into the Lions then and, and you know, there wasn't much hope. But that squad really grew as a result of those games. And Frawley was at the heart of that. And uh, while he's had a completely mixed year with injuries and lack of availability, I think Farrell Cat, um, in particular, rate him highly, and he is a very, very capable ten, twelve option who can place kick, who's a good running threat, who's a very good passer. He's very calm. Um, so yeah, I think uh, he's he's certainly one that could push uh, on match day. Let me ask you about this. What would have happened? Where would Ben Healy have been if he was still Irish qualified? Um, I I don't think possibly maybe ahead of Jack Carty there in fifth. I don't think he'd right. have leapfrogged much higher. Okay, uh, I thought he'd a super end to the season, um, but I don't think he had got to the point where he was so dominant in games and, and outstanding that he was going to jump ahead of who's already there. Yeah. Okay, so Frawley is behind Ross Byrne in the depth chart with Sexton, right? And yeah. Crowley is second. Why is Crowley ahead of Ross Byrne in this depth chart? Um, well, for me, he he offers something a little different to Sexton. I think we need um, something a little different to come off the subs bench. Um, I think he's got big match temperament, which he's shown certainly in the last two to three months. Um his first touch in an Irish jersey I was commentating for for uh, off the ball live at the game and was a penalty to touch that he extracted every last inch out of which many young fellas coming onto the field would have said well I'm going to make sure I get touch yeah. and I'm going to make, make sure everything you know keeps on track and we win our line out and so on and so forth he gambled on his very first touch in international rugby and I immediately took a step back and thought hmm that's now there's somebody who's got a fair bit of confidence and I think he's carried that through in his um, his general play I, I, I don't think he's set the world on fire I don't think but he hasn't done a whole lot wrong either and if you're young coming into uh, an environment like Munster or international rugby not doing a whole lot wrong is a pretty good start and um I think he's got potential to to really grow, and I think his his cycle will probably be really kicking off at the next World Cup. 
um, for now I think the fact that he's just offering that little bit different to Ross Byrne Johnny at number one Ross coming in as his understudy is a very similar style player and a very similar approach where Jack has a little bit of difference and so if you're the head coach do you not want the same thing coming off the bench in a way it's like we've got so let's assume the game plan is working and we're a few points up with 10 minutes left to go do you not want the same thing coming on or do you want somebody to actually well I think where you've got uh, potential with with Crowley to offer something different is uh, I think he's a little possibly a better running threat than than Byrne I think um, certainly my own experience I think having someone who has the capacity to do something different he doesn't have to do something different he can still come on and toe the line and play the 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 tactical game they want to play but if he's got the capacity to do something different in terms of being a running threat he's obviously a good um, kicking game he can use variation in his kicking game he's physically strong he can play in midfield as, uh, as in one out at 12 as well where you wouldn't probably put Ross there either yeah. but I think um, I think that's where they're looking at is his versatility probably more than Ross um, as a backup to Johnny okay and I suppose the other thing then if it is something slightly different it makes the opposition second guess themselves for those final 10-12 minutes whenever he might be yeah. coming on it's like actually you know what we need to there's a different defensive setup yeah. we might need but I also think there's the factor that Ireland and Munster haven't seen what Crowley can really do or Crowley sorry I always pronounce it wrong but Crowley um, I don't think Ireland and Munster have seen the best of him yet he's very young and he's relatively uh, underexposed to the spotlight so um, yeah I think that's an advantage too whereas we've probably seen everything we can see from Texton and, and Ross Byrne so the opposition have done loads of work in yes. a way right yeah but they won't know if we don't know what we're going to do <laughs> they don't it's interesting how, how measured you are about him because there's a real surge behind him like you know internationally he's only got a few caps couple yeah. of replacements Fiji Italy in the Six Nations yeah. obviously late starter in that Australia game but like the surge because we sort of decided after the Six Nations well I decided that whoever you know <laughs> at that point whoever the, the, the ranking of positions was pretty clear yeah. and then suddenly the URC unfolds uh, yeah, like yeah. it does and he's shows that he's got the cojones to step up and do it when it matters and as you say like eking watching the top 14 final on Saturday night Entomac is like overcooking a really important kick to touch towards the end so like that stuff is not uh, not a mm. given like you're talking about but there seems to be this real surge behind him now mm. that has sort of put him past Ross Byrne in a lot of people's uh, depth charts you're a little bit more measured at almost than I expected well yeah I mean we um I think we're probably going to get on to it, oh, but yeah, yeah. In, in the absence of Sexton, I wouldn't start Crowley, mm. I would start Ross Byrne, yeah. I think one swallow doesn't make a summer. I mean, the drop goal was competent, it was stylish, it was, it was pressurised. There was a lot of great things about that drop oh, goal, goals. and I loved the little finger wag at the end, jogging off, because it just smacked him. That's worth at least co- a few confidence. percent points. Absolutely, I mean, one of the great things about stylish out halves is, is uh, the post-drop goal celebration. Yeah. We used to have a laugh. How fast can you run back after kicking it? Because then the camera has to track and find you, you know what I mean? So it's all about the uh, <laughs> the optics there in terms of classic out-half poses, collar yeah, yeah. up. But no, Crowley has a bit of that for sure. Um, no, I think... Uh, um, for me, in the same sense, outhaves get a lot of credit um, for good team performances. Sometimes they get a lot of slack for poor team performances. And I think the Leinster 
team performance, the management performance in that final against La Rochelle, um, there'll, there'll be huge regret over it across the group. And I don't think Ross Byrne ought to take the full full barrel he's getting. You know what I mean? People are really coming after him saying he didn't step up to the plate. I think Ross Byrne has shown huge resilience over the last two or three years to come back from a place where he was utterly written off by the Irish public and media and has shown huge strength of character and ability to come back in and show he's very capable of surviving and thriving at times in this arena. Well, let's stick the graphic up because yeah. we have a if, if Sexton is injured or is being rested for whatever reason, you've got Ross Byrne first, Jack Curley second, Kieran yes. Foley third. Yes. I think um, certainly what Ross showed this season, just gone, is he marshalled Leinster superbly to in, in every minute of every European game he played. Sexton didn't play a single second in the in the European Cup. Um, so he marshalled that team really well through to a European final. And I suppose at 17-0 and 24-7 up, there was very few people questioning his capacity. Um, and it went way, way wrong for them, unfortunately, after that. Yeah, he had a great um, pass to set up one of the tries. It was yeah. the second Sheehan try. Yeah. And I, I, I think he's got, a, um, dare I say it, an elder statesman type of presence now. Um, he will give a sense of calm to the group, uh, a sense of cohesion. He's probably closer to Sexton in terms of how he vocally manages the group. And all, all of those things are a little intangible. But when you're a senior pro in that Ireland squad, maybe they're looking for direction and reassurance from someone who's been around the block and someone who's been battered, thrown up and down on a heap, taken off, but just still has the sense of control and calm to come through all of that whereas I think Crowley has arrived we've all gotten gotten excited I don't know has he been dragged through the mill as much as Ross yet and uh, as such I think in the absence of sex and or sex and injury I think Ross's experience for me would edge him uh, still to start with Crowley as a, as a very capable backup so Crowley's the the designated backup, no matter who's starting. Yes, but in the absence of Sexton, you're starting Ross Byrne, and I, I I can see the the point that you're making is that um, you're plugging like for like in there, yeah. but you're giving yourself the opportunity for a wild card if you need it. Yeah, yeah. I think I'm I'm certainly not uh, I'm not in doubt about Crowley's talent. Well, if you're saying experience is the thing talent. going against him, then what you're saying is actually in the long term. The ten shirt is Crowley's. Yeah, I am. I mean, the next cycle. I, I said it a couple of minutes back. I think the ne- post World Cup. I think he's a, he's a massive opportunity. Obviously, John, obviously, Johnny's going to retire. Ross is going to be probably. I don't know what age Ross is now. Twenty nine is he? Um, Maybe twenty seven. But okay, yeah. Uh, but, exactly but even still, you'll have a fellow like Crowley who'll really push. I think into that next World Cup. So twenty eight, and he'll be yeah. twenty nine next April. So. Yeah, and so by 32, hopefully he's he's very low mileage in terms of injuries, Ross. And he plays a, a game that's quite economic, so yeah. he doesn't smash himself up physically, but he's certainly been battered in terms of uh, criticism and uh, selection and loss of form over the years. So I think he's come through all that and that experience serves him well. But yeah, I think Crowley's got great talent. Uh, what are the learning opportunities for Ross Byrne from the European Cup final? Um how to operate better under intense pressure. 
I think he'll come away massively hurt uh, like the rest of that Leinster team. Um, I, I thought something I thought Ross had brought into his game really well in, in the last season was his ability to attack, attack the line um, to, to release the ball as late as possible to drag on opposition defenders to get smashed up a bit as a result and then get back up off the deck and go and do it again it's something Sexton's done brilliantly for years I actually think Ross went retreated a little bit back into the pocket that is understandable when you're under intense pressure and when you've got a big lead that's uh, like um so I think he'll probably look at that. Uh, I think maybe as one of the key areas he'll learn from. I mean, you learn from the utter pain and dejection of that uh, that loss. They will learn from it. They've no other choice. A month on now, I think it is from the final. Um, what's your assessment of the drop goal? The absence of a drop goal, a signal, uh, a joint communication, a yeah. team effort. Yeah, because they do drift that direction at one point, and yeah. then. Like it's all it's all a bit chaotic. Uh, the squid rugby analysis um, you can see that he's kind of move motioning that direction, but not dominating to the point where he's ordering yeah. the, the thing. And Gibson Park is doing what they always do, and so it's obviously a joint collective team decision not to do this or failure not to do this. So yeah. it's not on any individual. But what's now a month on? What what do you make of all that? Yeah, I thought um, I think Ross has to take some significant part to blame in that as a 10 that he wasn't able to get that messaging in clearly enough whether he he was trying I don't know we can only speculate I think it's just also though there's there's, um, there's been a, a departure a movement away from taking drop goals that I can't fathom in big tournament games that's gone on for about 5-6 years I mean 10-15 years ago that's all That's everybody was thinking. Uh, yeah. We're only thinking yeah. get in the pocket and knock over drop goal because it makes perfect sense. If you're losing in a cup final and you have a drop goal opportunity, you should probably go for it. Yeah. It's really an, a real energiser as well, like yeah, more yeah. so than a penalty that you sort of, from a kickable distance, it's sort of a given. Whereas a drop goal is sort yeah. of a halfway between there and a try in terms of the energy it gives a team well, or a crowd. Well, absolutely. And I, I think at times there are, you know, there are trends and developments in the game that, that get a little, become a little nonsensical, you know? Um, overuse of the box mm. kick to exit our own territory has been going on for about three, four years, five years, maybe longer. You know, when you when you break that down, what why surrender possession or at a fifty fifty at best, deep in your own territory as opposed to kicking at sixty meters. Like if you win it back, you're four you're five to six meters down the field. And if you don't win it back, the opposition of the ball, five yeah. to six meters down the field. That's become to me a nonsensical trend. The next one is the abdication of responsibility to take a drop goal when we think well, we've, we've trained all week and we've played certain patterns and we're going to hold possession and we're going to score a try when a well-run routine drop goal should be straightforward. Especially when the week before it had happened in, into the same goals yeah. to beat them. Mm. It's like, oh, I've just seen this thing. No, yeah. not interested. Don't show me this. <laughs> but I Don't think, look at me. I certainly, I mean, to go back to your, your question, I think Ross has to take some of the blame. But I think Leo and Stewart have to take plenty of the blame for that one. And so did the rest of the team, Gibson Park, the forward pack. I mean, in a cup final, you'd like to think, 
you know, there's at least 12, 13 people on the field who are thinking we have to take a drop goal to win this match. Therefore, X, Y and Z needs to happen. That comes from whoever's thrown the ball into the line out to whoever's catching it, whoever's going to be the first runner off the rook or mall. I mean, are we getting closer to the post and maintaining possession in order to set our guy up? There's, there's a whole team process to a drop goal. And now, maybe Byrne didn't implement it or maybe Byrne wasn't loud enough, but it's not entirely his fault. But I think they will have sleepless nights about that. It's a pie and he's part of it. Absolutely. Well, he's a big part of it. But yeah, I, I think uh, I would certainly like to see that nonsensical trend gone by the time we get to a World Cup yeah I mean you know if we if we if he knocks one over against uh, one of the big teams in the World Cup we'd be like ah we'll, we'll happily yeah. give you that fifth star for this thing yeah uh, right is there any difference who plays nine for these tens to benefit like is there is there an argument for starting um, Craig Casey in some games and like using our three scrum halves over the course of the tournament so that we get to the big game and make sure that Gibson Park is available to start and uh, maybe we're playing South Africa and we want Conor Murray to get in there and mm. soften them up for 20 for an hour well, I think I think the, there's certainly an argument for for um, usage of the, the squad at a World Cup because it's it's so condensed and I think but I would come at it from the angle using the other nines is it's best done to protect Gibson Park because right. he's the clear front runner, and I think the team are a much better side when he's at nine in terms of how the whole attack flows. Um, he's he's his decision making is top drawer um, execution just, and he's he's done it consistently for a long period now. Um, so I, I think the argument is not so much that. Um, horses for courses we're picking a person who'll play better against South Africa or against Scotland I think it's more we're not exposing Gibson Park to five, six, eighty minute periods in a row and I think Murray's had a super end to the year I think Casey um, Casey I still have I've I had some question marks but then in the Six Nations when he came on and managed the end of the French game so well with Byrne he he um, he went up a few notches in terms of I, I questioned whether he had that calm game management yeah. um, in his in his toolbox and he showed he did whereas I thought he was a high tempo player and, and well that's excellent and, and it's, it was at, at times it was kind of opposite to Murray in the Munster jersey you can't have you can't be one paced fast you can't be one paced slow I was yeah. querying was he a one paced and that one pace being very fast, high tempo, and I think can he slow a game down and manage it? And he showed that too. So, yeah, there's there's for sure in a World Cup, you, there's a there's a fair argument to say they move it around a bit in terms of who starts what games. But I think ultimately that's with a with a view to protecting excess game time for Gibson Park and risk of injury. I had one last question about Sexton. Um, at some point, he won't be as good a player as he used to be. Mm. We've been saying this now. <laughs> uh, my parents moved house recently and I found like a, a Irish Times... Um, oh, who's going to replace Johnny Sexton? It was 2011. I'm fairly sure. Well, it wasn't 2011. It was like, it was a, a good five, six years ago. I was like... Uh, um, so we've been, we've been as uh, exercised about this as we have about the World Cup quarterfinal berth. Um, how do they make sure that it doesn't happen before the World Cup? Like, how do they know in training, like... 
Is it? I, I don't think they. Do. I think they can't know in training. I think. Uh, I don't think it's going to happen. I just he's he's mentally too strong. As long as his body can hold up, that he's literally gets on a flight to France and gets a bit of a Paul McGrath contract for the World Cup and maybe under trains. Um, hopefully he's wrapped in a bit of cotton wool and uh, I don't anticipate that lack of game time or exposure over the summer to regular rugby is going to have any impact on him. He's not. He's shown too many times that he can hit the ground running. There are certain players who can come back in and hit the ground running at at the right intensity and tempo and they are few and far between but he's been around the block for since 20 years yeah it's yeah. amazing that if we were to have rewound the clock a year and to have had, re-had this conversation mm-hmm. about who would have been number two in that power ranking yeah. and his name has not come up no Joey Carberry yeah it's uh, I feel I really do feel for Joey um, but it's it's um, in the absence of any game time he he's an example of where I said look Sexton can he's earned that right over 20 years um, and he's shown Sexton's shown on many occasions undercooked he can come in and perform at a high level I think Carberry is not like that I think he's the type of player who needs five six games in a row on form playing really well to feature now he he got a, an extended run he had a few injuries but he was certainly the first choice number one for a long time there with Munster and um Ironically, I thought when he got into the Irish squad, he had better performances and he, he represented himself very well and he never let us down. But in the absence of him playing regularly for Munster at 10, he's, um, I think he's Im- impacted by that and probably sh- a little shock in terms of confidence. And um, yeah, it's it's a sad and spectacular it's, it's fall from dramatic, grace. So yeah. dramatic. Yeah, yeah. You definitely feel for the guy. I can't imagine yeah. what he's going through. I presume Ben Healy's departure opens a chink of light for him, but like he's got to try yeah. and get back in the pitch and yeah. remind yeah. everybody what he can do. Yeah, yeah. I, um, I've i often said that I, I saw him playing, I think his first start for Leinster as a 10 in the Heineken Cup. He beat 11 players in one half, um, which was an incredible start. And I was watching it in the RDS and I really thought this is the next generation. Um but for a multitude of reasons, I suspect he has he's gone away from that type of game um, where he's a real threat as a ball carrying ten, uh, as an attacking ten, and he's he's dropped back into the pocket more often. He's gone lateral when he attacks. His his kicking game has been very good, um, but I think his point of difference when he first came in was that ability to be a huge threat as a first a first receiver, and I think. That gets beaten out of a lot of Irish towns, uh, including myself, twenty odd years ago, because you're you're perceived to be n- n- not a game manager, not a good game manager. If you are a good threat as a first receiver, now there's a f- I can understand that too, but it doesn't happen in Australia or New Zealand, for example. It gets encouraged. Yes. So yeah. uh, keep, you keep doing that, and we'll follow you. Yeah. And I think um, can you recover? I I don't know because the Irish mentality to a ten, he's he's feel. I look at Joey and I feel like he's got a little lost and caught between two stools. He's mm. subjected to countless different managers who with very very strong opinions um, over five six years. Whether it was with Joe Schmidt in Leinster or Ireland, whether it was with Graham Rowntree now, uh, Mike Prendergast, Stephen Larkham in the middle. There's 
and Van Grand. There's a lot of people saying different things to him. And then there's everyone saying, why can't you be more like Johnny? And yeah. nobody's ever said, why don't you just be yourself and we'll, we'll adapt to what you do. And I think as a result, he's, he's gotten a little lost in it all. And I think it showed in his performances and eventually he started to drop out of favour. So it, it is... Um, Would you just go to France and have the crack if you were him and be like free from the Irish selection problems and go and enjoy yourself and find a rugby culture that appreciates you? Uh, yeah, I would. I, in short, I think, I think at this stage, I think if he went and joined a top side in France and with a with a coaching team and a, and a an approach that was maybe less structured, which they can be down there still, and um, just liberate liberate yourself, you never know what could happen. Yeah, yeah. All right, Andy, good stuff. Uh, where how far are we going in the World Cup? Nice, nice, Andy. Question to finish up on. All the way. Do you think all so? Way, you, you feeling, you're feeling what, okay with this? That's nice and vague to yeah. mean anything. <laughs> We're going all the way. <laughs> Out of the pool. I know. Uh, I, I, so I've never thought, I've never prior to a World Cup thought, genuinely thought we were capable of winning it, ever. I've never thought that. I, thought, I would have thought we'd have gone further in previous World Cups than we have. Yeah. But I've never thought we were capable of winning a World Cup. I, I absolutely think this group are capable of winning the World Cup. So, all the way, baby. All the way, baby. You heard it here first. Andy, good stuff. Thanks a million for joining us this morning. OCB AM with Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave or your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now.